Get ready for some big Willie-style double strength as we meet a Gemini man. Chris Morris thinks the day has come and we get a bomb ball with a Yeti named Everest. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Off Screen. So, movies. Let's let's have some. There movies. are some. There are some. <laughs> it's so it's so weird. Are you having this thing at the moment where because of LFF and the sort of early Oscar buzz and all that stuff, you're starting to lose track of which films are out when? Do you know what? I am not doing LFF this year. You're not doing it. I'm not. No. So I just thought I'd take a break. I've done it like every single year, and I thought to myself, you know what? Take a break. Take it easy. <laughs> you're in that middle age world now. <laughs> I'm just having the weirdest time because I keep seeing really great movies that aren't out for like three months. Yeah, I think by the time I would have to review them, I'd lose track and like I'd have to re-watch them. So I'm kind of like, I'm just going to watch it fresh, mm. closer to the time. It's okay. I can cope. That's it because you know you'll see them again like yeah. closer to release anyway. But sort of just for fun kind of thing, you see them now. But you do see some belters, I will say. Oh, good. Well, let's, let's start with one this week then. Is, <laughs> I don't think not either of us... Belter. Not a belter. <laughs> not, no, not, not a belter at all. So, and and this, let's do some setup on this because this is the latest film from Chris Morris. Yeah. Who brought us, you know, Brass Eye. Yeah. You know, one of the high watermarks of British satirical comedy, followed by... Four Lions. Yeah. One of the high watermarks of British satire. And now we have The Day Shall Come. Uh, so I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this plot. I kind of wish The Day didn't come. Um, fair, fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, this, look, first and foremost, this is getting a mixed bag of reviews. So it you're going to, it's Marmite to a lot of people. So this uh, movie is about a poor preacher from the Miami Projects whose family is about to be evicted. He's then offered cash to save kind of his church or reimagining of a church and his home. <laughs> that's putting it mildly, isn't Yeah, it? I know. Um, and has no idea that the cash that's being given to him by the it's by the FBI, who actually planned to turn him into a criminal by fueling his revolutionary dreams. Tell me, Razor, what cash are you talking about? My onkhead. Star jump. My onkhead from the Middle East, he very much admires your work. My work? From the Middle East? My uncle comes to the Holiday Inn. We don't need to get hustled by your imaginary uncle, Razor. He is not imaginary. He is real. He is a Mujahideen. What's his name, Uncle Scam? So, for me, there were some bits where I heard a few people in the screening chuckle. I chuckled a few times. There, there are some, a but they're not, they're not deep laughs, though. No. They're chuckles. Yeah, they are chuckles. And I think the comparisons with Four Lions are quite obvious in here. Mm. It's, it's nothing new in that respect. It's well, kind of a decade in the making of doing the same thing, but setting it in Miami. But that's the thing for me as well. I thought the human character level of Four Lions was really how that film worked so well. Yeah. It really invested you in those characters, even characters like Barry in Four Lions, the, the, you know, the antagonist of them. Do you think it's, them. it's also partly because we're British? I suppose there is that. There is that barrier to it. But I think there's enough of Chris Morris's ability and talent there. I mean, for me, I thought a lot of Armando Iannucci. Mm. You know, gave us a, a, a Death of Stalin and, and In the Loop, you know, the film adaptation of The Thick of It, and, and currently is just wrapping up Veep. 
Do you know what? Really funny that you mentioned um, In the Thick of It because I thought the the collection of misfits that were the FBI agents were kind of in the thick of it, American office style. Literally, that's literally V. Yeah. And I sat there and thought, this feels like a watered down Four Lions for the terrorist side of the the story. And it feels like the less funny outtakes from a season of V, like a Veep box set for the FBI scenes. And they were just, they were crashing together. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to work out why, I mean, this really does have a mixed bag of reviews. Mm. It really is Marmite as a film. For me, that kind of humour, I'm not into anyway, particularly. So I like the more basic (laughs) slapstick comedy. Um, So I don't really... I don't really love that as it is, so it's a push for me anyway. But then, you know, I liked the quirky character of the main preacher. You know, he rides about on a horse. He's well, there's desperate. a shower curtain, doesn't The he? shower curtain. There were some funny moments. There's a moment where he meets, um, I suppose, uh, an informant or a plant from the FBI, and he's sat on a table like oh, yes. like a prophet. Yeah. And you kind of go, it's so ridiculous. That's but then you lose the context of it, and it just all feels a bit like, I know exactly where this is going to go. Mm. I know the outcome. He's obviously trying to send a message we see that just before the end credits as well and it's just a bit like you kind of leave going meh I think for me it comes down to the intention of it and I think the intention if I'm reading it right mm. is that Chris Morris has tried to create his own kind of Doctor Strange love okay. his idea of uh, you know this, this scenario so ridiculous but then treating it as if it's general office admin but, and, and descending into chaos that way but he says it's based on a hundred different stories yeah and I'm like, where are you going with this like a mm. hundred different stories that don't exactly gel together and make <laughs> One. <laughs> quite, quite. <laughs> Although, there's some of the elements, like you say, with the central characters, is it Moses? I'm trying yeah, to Moses, who, who his character's Moses. name's Moses. Marshawn Davis, who I didn't recognise from anything, actually. No, I'm not. I, I think this is his first lead role, actually. One person I did recognise in there was Danielle Brooks. Who what, plays you didn't his... recognise um, Anna Kendrick? Oh, no, she, she sticks out. She sticks <laughs> okay, out. Because I'm just, I'm just wondering why I'm not hearing her sing No Diggity every time I see her. But uh, she's that iconic <laughs> the to me. song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, Kaven Novak, you notice, turns up. Uh, so, from Four Lions. Yeah, and also, like, you know, anyone who watches UK sketch go- shows will recognise oh, him course. there. But the thing is with him, I just feel like he's in there just, just because he is, right? You get these informants that are dropped mm. in for, like, com- comedic effect. And there's no real... It doesn't tie him in. Like, he's supposed to be this guy who essentially... He has been caught by the police for um, <laughs> sleeping with underage girls. And therefore, it, instead of him having a hugely long... Um, prison sentence they're but, offering him this out yeah he works as an informant yeah. he works it off as an informant doesn't he yeah. and they, they do have uh, a, a very dark amount of fun yeah. with, that, uh, with that element it must they be do. said do you know what the funniest bit of this movie for me was the very beginning where mm. it's like this pool party and oh yes yeah yes. and you've got essentially a terrorist in a in a golf caddy and the FBI in disguise <laughs> oh, yes, and of course yeah. desperately trying to get him to uh, to press the numbers so they can prove it's a really good scene isn't yeah, it yeah it's a really good scene mm. um, and it plays out really well and it's just long enough that yes. it doesn't get excruciating that felt very death of Stalin very unironed yeah. for me yeah but, uh, one they want to point out Danielle Brooks as Moses's wife because she turned up recently in a show yeah. I was watching uh, Year of the Rabbit I liked her and I think she's tremendous. Yeah, I think not she's enough got... of her in this. No, I think there could have been more of her. And I think if it had been more of a balanced film, maybe the genre hopping might have worked a little better. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as it is, having two 50% movies yeah. smashing against one another. I think for me, I think Chris Mar- like it's it's kind of like, I call this kind of the Baz Luhrmann thing, uh, effect, hmm. right? Where you reach an absolute pinnacle and then you treat keep trying to recreate the same thing and it's done. It's of its time. So, yeah. so Chris Morris with, with Four Lions, you know, Brass Eye, all this kind of stuff. 
it was back in the time. It's a decade since mm. Four Lions. It sits in British culture as this kind of cult phenomenon film. Is it like reviving Red Dwarf every year? Like this it kind of is, yeah. yeah. And it's like just just leave it. It's not. It's timeless in a way. It's still prevalent <laughs> to watch to watch that movie. So we don't need to see it just set in Miami. We don't need more Only Fools and Horses revivals. That's that's the moral of the story. Yeah, yeah. And that's such. I mean, that is the big shame about this is that you've got you've got so much going on in this movie that mm. doesn't really piece together, and it makes for more of a clunky film. And because of the expectations of the previous mo- movies and TV shows yes, that he's done, of course. People yeah. might be flocking it, particularly if you're a Chris Morris fan. But to be honest, last week we talked about two very brilliant films. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about spending your money and you, want, and you haven't yeah. seen Joker yet, I'd say go back and watch that Judy, instead of, of this course, one. Yeah. And Judy, yeah. So, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down for me? Two thumbs down for me. Two I, thumbs yeah, down? Yeah, I didn't. I really didn't enjoy this. Okay, I'm going with like one half a thumb. I'm going for the full Commodus. Uh, when I say this. One thumb at halfway. One thumb at halfway. That's generous, I think. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> So, I love the concept of a lovely little abominable snowman. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the weird thing, because, you know, they're like buses. You, you wait for one, and then two come along at once, because yeah. we've only just had Smallfoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was Chantete, wasn't it? Was Chantete. I like how you put that. Yes, yeah. Chantete. It's like as, every girl uh, would say it that way. Exactly, yeah. Well, he's a dreamer. But uh, <laughs> I see White House down, like, twice a week, just because it's always on telly when I'm working. Oh, uh, yeah, that's but, what they all say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Sony Movie Channel, man. They Whatever, have, like, yeah. They have, like, four movies that It's okay, we're all fans day. of Channing Tate. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, I'm, I'm all about that movie fighting, little scene. Anyway, he's not in Abominable, that's the point, uh, which is the second. I'm glad we've just spent 30 seconds on that. We have, we have. I'm flushed in the face now. Uh, oh, my school girl. I'm going to book crushed. that magic mic ticket once again. <laughs> so, uh, so Abominable, which is the Armageddon to, to Smallfoot's Deep Impact. Okay, good. Uh, nice. This is a very different animal, no pun intended, and it is uh, about a young girl who's voiced by Chloe Bennett, uh, who starred in Nashville, a stars as part of the Marvel TV universe uh, in There's Agents so many of S.H.I.E.L.D. Universes. Um, and she's very good and she plays uh, a young girl named Yi. Uh, the story is set in China. A, an abominable snowman, a yeti, escapes from like a, a, a scientific lab at the beginning of the movie, finds his way onto Yi's uh, rooftop. Yi is getting ready for that point when she's about to sort of like graduate up to college level. She wants to go and explore the world and take the trip of her dreams. Okay. She comes across this uh, abominable snowman and she and her friends, once they're introduced to him, uh, go on this wild adventure to return this yeti, who they name Everest, back to his home, which is, guess where? The Alps. Hey, uh, what are you doing out here? Someone's going to see you. Where did you get that? No, 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 no. Back now. Do you hear me? Let go. not make sense. Why would they take it to the roof? Guys, what are you doing up here? Hey, get away from her! Okay, I'm calling the police! He's not dangerous! Look at him! He's a Yeti! Cool! What? No, Yetis don't exist! What do you mean Yetis don't exist? (laughs) Literally staring one in the face. Yeah, uh... whatever. Um, This sounds cute. It is very cute. It is very cute. Is that it? Is it just cute? No, it's actually really likable. Um, there's something about it. It has... I mean, the actual animation quality is quite high-end as oh, well. Good. This is a DreamWorks film. 
Uh, it doesn't particularly look as kind of fresh off the software deck as DreamWorks films can do. I think I find things like Shrek quite sort of amateur- amateurly put together sometimes. Okay. Uh, but this is definitely one of the more we're shooting for Pixar-grade animation, but without quite that A-grade material. This is more like a, 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 a B-minus material. Okay, that's interesting, because I was just about to say, it, with it being a DreamWorks movie... Mm. I haven't seen much about it. Well, it's, it, I don't think it is actually originally aimed for, for Western audiences. It is, it, obviously, it plays very well to Western audiences. Obviously, I'm part of one. Mm. Um, but it is, like I say, it is set in China. It has a largely Chinese cast. It has a few token Western names in there. So Chloe Bennett, for instance, is a great bridge there because she is a Chinese-American actress right. who just happens to have this pre-existing fan base through Marvel and Agent Coulson and all that stuff. And he's now like, doing it in cartoon form as part of this yeah. Young Girls line. Yeah, which uh, is good because, uh, to be honest, I suppose with the ne- name Chloe Chloe Bennett, if you weren't familiar who, with who she is, it's good to know that they've got the cult- cultural appropriation right in that she is... Funny you say that, because like, this is a bit of a segue. When okay. Me Too started and women were coming forward with their stories of discrimination, she yeah. came out and revealed that her name was, in fact, Chloe Wang. Oh. And that she changed it because she simply was getting passed up for roles, and that that changed instantly once. You know, that That's kind of really thing. interesting. Uh, so you've also got Sarah Paulson and Eddie Izzard in there. <gasps> I love both of them. Eddie Izzard steals it, obvs. 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 And um, Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Uh, it, uh, and that's very, very kind of Incredibles kind of style to that character. Okay. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I saw it on Sunday morning with an adult friend of mine. We, you know, we whooped I'm and just, cheered. I'm and just going to remind everyone listening that a Sunday morning screening... Is filled with kids. ...is for kids. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Not for you and your adult mate who have obviously taken advantage of some face painting that time of that, the morning. I'm not going to deny that that happened, but we had a good time. <laughs> we were singing along to Coldplay when we left. Okay. Uh, it was cute. It was cuddly. It, you know, it, it gets you a little misty-eyed at one point. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so really how many thumbs it. thumbs up, thumbs down would you give it? One and a half from me. Wow, that yeah. is an awkward angle that awkward you just angle, put up Awkward there. angle, isn't it? It's kind of like an L shape with your fists. There we yeah. go. So that is abominable. It's out Friday and it's rated you, so you can take the little kiddies with you. Exactly, as we probably should have done. Now yes, you really it. should yeah. have done. Yeah. Um, moving on, um, we're going to get into some double trouble now because we've <laughs> got Gemini Man. And in fact, you know what? There's a whole heap of trouble with this. Um, this also is out on Friday. It's rated a 12A. It is kind of the big film that everyone's mm. kind of talking about this week. You've probably seen it on every single bus around because it's directed by Ang Lee. It is essentially Will Smith versus Will Smith as he plays Henry Brogan, an elite assassin who becomes the target of this mysterious operative who can basically predict his every move. So he then learns that the man who's trying to kill him is actually a younger, faster, and wait for it, cloned version of himself. I'm guessing 19, 20 years old, the first time he ordered you to shoot a person. 25 years ago, he took my blood. He made you from me. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You're just trying to rattle me. I'm trying to save you! So, for anyone that is in any doubt from those drum beats in that clip, <laughs> it is in fact an action flick. <laughs> from Ang Lee, no less. I know. And that, that had me hype. 
that dude. Yeah. I, I, Will Smith as well. I mean, even beyond that, just okay. Ang Lee doing an action film, like, oh my God, this could be like when John Woo did Face Off and we yeah. get something truly epic out of it. Because it's Ang Lee. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where the this has apparently been in development for more than 20 years. Like it's it's taken them more than twenty years to get this to, to screen because of the the visual effects involved. Well, do you know what? All this morning, as I've been reviewing this movie, the way I've sort of led into it is mm. to say, if you think of one of those nineties action flicks that is so totally bonkers yeah. that you kind of go, okay, I'm just going to forgive its premise because it's the nineties, and you know, <laughs> by you giving it the context of saying it's been twenty years in the making, it's because it was made in the nineties. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> Actually, it reminded me very much of a film that came out back in two thousand, starring okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger, called The Sixth Day. Never heard of it. Arnie gets cloned. Oh. That's the plot of the movie. He gets cloned when he's presumed dead in an accident, and you know, get the clone gets put in his place, and he shows up, and they basically go to war, and it all involves the guy who created the clone, much like this does. You know, this film that apparently has been rewritten, but as you point out so succinctly, hasn't really evolved much since <laughs> the late nineties. <laughs> no, it hasn't indeed. And the thing, is, well, I'm, I'm interested with that Arnie film to see how they did the de aging because they didn't de age. It was just to replace him there and then. Oh, so he yeah. did shot shot against a tennis ball essentially. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, that might have worked better in probably the last scene of this movie because I have to say I thought the de-aging worked quite well. We get full-on Fresh Prince vibes in this. Oh, hang can on. I can, can I tell you something amazing about this? Okay, it's not de-aging. What? It's not de-aging. What this is, is it? This is the misnomer. It's not. Will Smith does both performances, right? right. When he does the younger ones, he's wearing like a, 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 like a high-end GoPro pointed back at himself with loads of digital markers embedded on his skin. So it's motion capture. So it's motion capture, and they have then animated it from scratch, but with the exact markers in place where they would be on a real Will Smith. So it's basically the most advanced motion capture anyone has ever come up with. Well, do you know what? Everyone just thinks it's de-aging. I know, right? <laughs> Marvel spoilers, that's what it was. I know, but actually, it really worked well up until that end scene. And then I was like, his face looks a bit funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that ruined it a little bit for me. But there's lots of things that ruined this movie for me. Um, so it's a basic, man. Yeah, so the, I could forgive the premise of this and the fact that it hasn't evolved since the 90s because I can take it or leave it with something that's a bit wacky and out there the problem i've got with this movie is the high frame rate in which it is shot oh god yes okay i don't like watching Ugh. movies in 3d first and foremost I, I don't it doesn't add anything for me what did we get we got imax 3d 4k yeah frames i've got a second. headache i'll tell you that now <laughs> um but for anyone that doesn't kind of understand how this all works, so normally you'd shoot a film in 24 frames per second. Exactly, and, yeah. and for me, when I go to a movie, I want to be immersed. I want to have a bit of escapism. So you kind of see that you're not watching something that is right in front of you mm. as if you were looking at your own hand. You know, it's not something like that. However, when you increase the frame rate, and I think we saw this in one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, the Hobbit's movies. The Hobbit's it? movies, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ang Lee also did it with his last film, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. Right, mm. okay. Well, the, the thing no is, is that... when <laughs> With good reason. Um, when you, when, if you, anyone's seen that Hobbit movie, you will see the detail on the prosthetics is, is huge. And you kind of go... Uh, it, it doesn't look it looks like you're walking into a rehearsal and that's exactly what you get here um the problem is as well is that it's too real you get this ultra real look the high frame rate does that it ultimately looks incredibly budget because he shot it on 120 frames per second he did so that you could have 60 frames in each eye yeah it's supposed to balance itself out mm, it, it absolutely doesn't, doesn't. No. you see the you see the um the 
the jolts of the camera you don't get the atmosphere that's put in with like grading colour saturation all that kind of stuff you lose it and it looks like an episode of Hollyoaks (laughs) you know what it's funny you end there as well because that's the thing because there's been a big backlash um, from filmmakers in the last sort of year two years about motion blurring yeah Uh, motion plus or whatever it's called which smooths out the motion and a lot of filmmakers including uh, I believe Joseph Kaczynski who's uh, directing the Top Gun sequel he and Tom Cruise released a video asking for this to be a stand thing please turn it off don't watch our films in this they're not meant to look like they're happening in front of you they're not meant no. for the soap opera effect and it is weird to me that there is a film of this scale released in what is literally cinema's equivalent because it looks no different yeah it's terrible so thumbs up thumbs down from absolutely you absolutely thumbs down I'm feeling really miserable to this week <laughs> well have some fun no I know I know I know I still say go, last week when you end, when you have such a high of a five star movie and a four star movie you know you then it can't maintain it so you have to have a bit of a dud week and that is this week unfortunately uh, one out of two thumbs for me that's purely for the visual effects which I have to maintain All right, I'll give it half a thumb yeah, they were great <laughs> We want to give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, oh, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the roof garden myself. Uh, They're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st. And back into off screen we go. Deep diving into your movies on TV. We have your seven day guide to everything on the small screen. Kicking off this Saturday on ITV4 at 10.05 p.m. to be precise with Passenger 57. I love Passenger 57. You know what? Did you ever see this one when you were a kid? I, I, no. I, do you know what? I was thinking of United 93. Totally different <laughs> oh, film. Very different film. Yeah. So this was like during that, during that spree of Hollywood movies that were all like kind of low budget actioners and they were all trying to do like Die Hard on air. So you know like Seagal had Die Hard on an, on an aircraft carrier on a warship with right. Under Siege. This was Wesley Snipes does Die Hard on a plane on which a transported fugitive mass murderer psychopath named Charles Rain happens to escape capture and take the plane hostage without happening to realise that an, export, uh, an expert in airline security and anti-terrorism played by uh, 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 Wesley Snipes as the brilliantly named John Cutter um, happens to be you know moving across the country for a new job. You can kind of guess what happens and like all of these movies you've got to have that really great scene when you know the two, the enemy the enemy and the good guy get on the radio and they have that that tete-a-tete Sound, yeah. Sounds much more palatable than United ninety three. Much, much, <laughs> but the, but like all of these great movies, you've got to have a you got to have a kick ass payoff line. To which I present to you. Plan not working out the way you want it. Don't flatter yourself, Cutter. You prevented nothing. Although it seems I may have underestimated you. Dumping the fuel is quite ingenious. At least Mr. Douglas's body won't have so far to fall now. <laughs> well, maybe Vincent could hitch a ride with him on his way down. You know, Charlie, I'm a little surprised at you. Didn't your father ever teach you never send a boy to do a man's job? Speaking of boys, our stewardess friend must be feeling particularly unsatisfied. Charlie, you ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. What a line. What a line. That's Matt Lawrence quotes it in Bad Boys, I think. Also, not to be confused, this movie's not to be confused with 1996's Executive Decision. To date, I believe, the only movie in which Steven Seagal has ever been killed on screen. 
What? Yep. So same I'm glad movie. Glad he's with not the... being killed off screen. Well, <laughs> he's an endless source of amusement. So yeah. So uh, five past ten Mon- uh, on Saturday night. ITV four. Check that out. ITV four got some belters this week. Good. Uh, so should we move on to, to Sunday? What have we got? Well, that comes after Saturday. Let's do it. <laughs> Does it now? I can never keep track of time. So Sunday night, what have we got? Okay, so we've got the imitation game on ITV at one thirty. Not at Sunday night. Sunday afternoon. Oh, Sunday afternoon, of course. Yeah, one thirty p.m. People, not a.m. Um, and what that is is a very, very good movie because unbelievably, Kira Knightley got Oscar nominated in this. I think she gets some acclaim here yeah, and there, Ms. Knightley. Maybe, but this is Benedict Cumberbatch's film. It's the story about Alan Turing and the Enigma Machine. I remember being quite captivated by this movie. I was. His performance is absolutely terrific. Yeah. Uh, the movie doesn't really hold back as regards very yeah. squarely taking shots at, you know, the injustice that, that befell Alan Turing. And funnily enough, Turing does come up in another one of our TV picks uh, yes, later indeed. on as well. But this is on when this is one uh, thirty on Sunday. Yeah, it's a but good afternoon film, I it think. Is, isn't yeah, it? especially if you don't know anything about the Enigma machine, it's worth uh, worth a little bit of a lesson. Very true. <laughs> Over to Monday then, a movie I absolutely adore, uh, one I went to the pictures to see as a wee boy, and it's uh, 9pm on ITV4, and this is, I tell you what, I'm just going to drop the clip, and you will instantly know from the second line of this clip, just like a matter of iconography, exactly what flick we're talking about. Uh, This is Houston, Uh, say again please. Houston, we have a problem. We have a main bus B undervolt, we've got a lot of thruster activity here Houston, it just went offline. Oh, there's another master alarm, Houston. I'm checking the quad. Christ, there was no repress valve. Maybe it's in quad We've C. got a computer restart. I'm going to reconfigure the RCS. We've got a pin light. fire doesn't make any sense. We've got multiple caution and warning, Houston. We've got a reset restart. All right, I'm going to SDS. You always know you're in safe hands with Tom Hanks, don't well, you? You do, don't you? Yeah. I'm so yeah. looking forward to the beautiful day in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to watching this again. Again, like you, it's when I was a kid, I watched this. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's a great movie. Apollo 13. It's on ITV4 at 9 o'clock. Speaking of great movies, one of my all-time favorites is swinging its way with bright orange hair to <laughs> your TV screens on Tuesday on Channel 5 at 11.05pm. Why is it on so damn late? It is, of course, the fifth element. It's a nice film to fall asleep to, though. Yeah. I. Do you know what? I think this is such a brilliant movie it's so out there so wacky it's epic oh i love this in every single way shape or form almost as much as i love total recall (laughs) oh oh okay funny you say that because that segs us to our next film on wednesday night again i'm I'm just gonna cue this up with a clip hang on you're not here to kill me i figured that part out for myself so what's the deal my mission is to protect you yeah who sent you you did 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here, in this time. This is deep. It's one of my favourite movies of all time. It is the movie that made me love movies. It is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. James Cameron's masterpiece. The greatest sequel of all time. Possibly rivaled only by Aliens. And I put those two above The Godfather 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotcha. I I love Mm. Aliens as well. But T2, Judgment Day. I mean, if you're ever going to reconfigure a robot, you're going to do it with an Austrian (laughs) accent, aren't you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because they fit right in in Southern Southern California. Exactly. (laughs) Um, It is an amazing film. 
iconic in so many different ways. And the reason, I think the reasoning for putting it on, which is to say it was ITV4 Wednesday night, 9pm, the reasoning for putting it on is this, this is the 25th anniversary of the original Terminator this year. Wow. And so both T1 and T2 are being put back into cinemas. I believe the first is this Friday, uh, and then the following Friday is Terminator 2, and they're both being put back into limited That's rooms That's amazing. Do you know what? I love Terminator as well. I mean, I know that Terminator 2 is just the sequel oh, to end is, all sequels, but I really did like Terminator as well. I think it's more gritty in a way. It's, I think uh, so, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I also like how the first one's a horror movie and the second one's an action thriller. Yeah. Like very yeah. different things. Absolutely, yeah. Um, moving on to Thursday, speaking of horrors, uh, Transcendence <laughs> is on film four at 6.30. This is Johnny Depp being... AI, isn't he? It is AI. Scanned, you know, scanned into the computer or You know like in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Where you've got that character The, the baddie that's like the brain Crank Crank, crank. That's it yeah. yeah it's like as that Tina, As Tina Fey said Nobody cares about Crank Nobody does care about Crank <laughs> And I had to re-look up this film Transcendence Because I was just like I can't remember what it is I have seen it right. um, So basically Johnny Depp I think he He's dead. He's like a renowned AI scientist. Obviously, I haven't rewatched it before we've put this together. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing this from memory, and I saw it I think, like four years ago on Revisit, like a year after it was out. He's like the world's greatest AI pioneer, yeah. like a Steve Jobs type in the making. Will Caster is his name. Uh, he gets shot, I think, and on the moment of death is able to have his consciousness uploaded into his experimental artificial intelligence algorithm. And he then grows vastly when he's connected to the internet and basically becomes the ultimate ghost in the machine, achieving the point of the singularity, when he transcends the human form through what we call the singularity, which is the point at which technology escapes all human ability. And there's a whole thing in the movie. Morgan Freeman explains it more eloquently than I can. You can imagine it all goes Pete Tong. It's not a bad movie, though. I think it's just... It's a bit basic, isn't it? It's a bit well, yeah, for something that's so complex, mm. it is a bit basic. The hope for it was at the time, though, that it had been produced, I think, on some level by Christopher Nolan. And the director making his debut was Christopher Nolan's cinematography, Wally Fister, who had been the cinematographer of the DP on uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and sort of the early Nolan films. So the idea was we were hoping this would lead to a second Nolan. The problem is, the problem is with something like that, when you just drop a name in like that, mm. it's just the expectations are there, and if it can't yep. live up to it, it just ruins the whole thing. Don't we know it after the day shall come, eh? Uh, well, there we go. Yeah, we revert right back to the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. There we go. Listen again, people, and hear our views. Um, finishing off the week. Yeah, I yeah. mean, a belter. A, a real belter. Mad Max, Fury Road, Channel 5, 10 o'clock. Get ready, start your engines. I like this plan. We can start again. Just like the old days. Look, it'll be a hard day. But I guarantee you that 160 days ride that way. There's nothing but salt. At least that way, you know, we might be able to... Together. Come across some kind of redemption. You wonder who's ever going to take over from like Mel Gibson in this. And he does a decent job, doesn't he? Tom Hardy does it really. De- there was never another one, was there, with Tom Hardy? No, no. It's something that keeps coming up. I think it's called Mad Max Wasteland. They are trying to get it going. It's still trying to get him yeah. to come back. Probably. It's not even about that. I think it's about getting funding and distribution for it. Because yeah. I think Mad Max Fury Road is deemed as a lucky break rather than because nobody thought it would be as big as it was. It was. 
brilliant. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Carnage candy. It was great. I'm kind of sad that it's on small screen in a way. So unless mm. you've got one of those cinematic TV screens, you might just you might not get the grandeur of it. I loved seeing this in the cinema. I think I saw it in IMAX. Oh, it was designed for yeah. IMAX, wasn't yeah. it? And so much in the way of practical effects. Yeah. Just a wonderful visual experience as well. Totally. Oh, what a lovely day. Wonderful uh, appearance from uh, uh, Nicholas Holton there. And obviously the star of the show, Miss Charlize Theron. Yeah, amazing. So. I mean, all of it was brilliant. I mean, that is your movies on TV. What a selection this week. So, yeah, round it all off. Five, uh, Channel 5, 10 p.m. Friday night with Mad Max Fury Road. What a way to end the week. Now, moving on to DVDs, Blu-rays, or however you like to watch your movies. We've got to add that in the small print. Really, uh, uh, video on demand. Basically, <laughs> watch movies that are supposed to be in the cinema. I haven't quite made it to TV. And you're going to watch it in your yeah, own home. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we've got. Pre-Sky but, Cinema. Pre-Sky well, Cinema. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's so much out there these days. It gives me such a headache. <laughs> um, released on Monday, uh, we have Late Night kicking us off. Did you enjoy this when you saw it? Did I see it? Is the, this the Emma Thompson the one? Emma Thompson, Mindy Kaling I one. I did, I yes. liked this as well. I really liked this. i tell you why. Because it was sharply written. Hmm. Emma Thompson was on fine form. And Mindy Kaling was excellent as well. I think the only... I, I, I pretty much feel like you did. I think the only... The only uh, drawback I had with it, the only pro, the only uh, con I could find was, I think with Mindy Kaling and having seen so much of what she can do on TV, I expected it to be more pointed and a little bit more aggressive. I would say. Okay, that's interesting. Than it, than it was because I haven't seen a lot of Mindy Kaling on TV, and and actually I just thought it was sh- it was sharp because of hmm. you know. So if you can up that even more, then I think that's a really positive thing. Because Emma Thompson brings so much natural, uh, charming acid with her, doesn't she? But that's that's what she does so well. Mm-hmm. She can be your most likable person in the room or your least likable person in the room and she can be terrifying she's almost that kind of uh, Meryl Streep character in um, The Devil Wears Prada in a way very much almost yes but a a more rounded I think immediately accessible yeah but what I think is really interesting is it looks at it looks at sort of um Ageism within it, it does, yes. within the world of television. It's also I think there's a, there's a touch of women working in TV as well, um, just in general. Uh, so very up there with the Me Too movement and things like that. Um, you do get the impression if it come out about six months later, yeah. they would have there would have been more in the script kind of about that. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's a solid few performances. Something that you kind of look at the post and you go, oh, I'm really not that interested in it. But actually, when you go and watch it, mm. it really is a nice surprise because it's because it's, it's a white background leaning poster. That's what it is. But it looks like late night with. Jay- James Corden, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that would be the intent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that'll put me off. <laughs> from that to something a bit more of a boilerplate, 90s-style adult chiller type, uh, Ma. You know, the, the standard suburban psycho kind of uh, kind of movie. I liked this movie. I did as well, because Octavia Spencer, just a brilliantly fun villainess psycho, isn't she? Yeah, she's like, everybody loves Ma. <laughs> and it's like, yes, everybody kind of does, because you're giving them all free alcohol, and <laughs> why well, wouldn't you? Exactly that. And you know what? When, when she buys you free alcohol, and she asked you to hang out I think she kind of feels like you owe her one well who needs y'all girls girls you guys want to party like rock stars or what no I gotta clean the house before my mom gets home hey maybe next time damn ma don't you got a job yeah I guess I should work a double since you guys don't have time for me girl you need a man girl 
You need to watch your mouth. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it's them eyes, isn't it? It's them yeah. crazy eyes. Well, the, I, I always say, I think she's got like pug eyes where you think that if she's going to sneeze, her eyeballs might fall out. Mm, but it, the <laughs> thing is, this came out so close to Greta as well. Yeah. In which Isabel Huppert played the cycle. I think this was about like a month later. Yeah. And it was great seeing these actresses, you know, for very different roles, play very popcorn friendly, 90s style, Rebecca De Mornay psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know what? The only thing about this movie, it does kind of start getting very generic towards the latter half oh, yeah, of the yeah. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. They all do though, don't they? Yeah, really? but I think you're watching it for her performance in totally. this. And I quite like the concept. So basically she works as like a veterinary um, receptionist. Mm, something like that, yeah. And then when she buys some alcohol for some kids in a local off-license, she kind of sees the power in that, which is a bit strange. Creepy, and she's like, it? yeah. It's really creepy. And then she's like, well, why don't you come to my basement and have parties <laughs> there? And then suddenly she turns into like the cool mom. Yeah, nothing <laughs> odd about this story at all. No, very, very strange. Other than Juliette Lewis is now old enough to play someone's mom convincingly. Oh, I which Because I, I still think of her as being about 22 years old and, yeah. and playing teenagers. Yeah. But, uh, which is why she was so good. She's never, she never ages for me. She never does. So um, over to streaming this week. And yeah. we've got three movies, massive movies, all out on the same day. Right. Right, this is insane. I have not seen any of them. <laughs> right, I know you will have heard of the first one, just amongst other film critics. Like, someone will have been to screenings of it and mentioned it. Is it? it. It's not Nicole... No, that's the Paperboy. No. I'm thinking of the Paperboy. The Laundromat stars Gary Oldman, Antonio Banderas, and Meryl Streep. And it is directed by Steven Soderbergh. It is the story about the Panama Papers, how that came to light. Um, been getting huge buzz around, like, the LFF and screening, pre-LFF screenings, things like that, a lot of critics uh, giving... It's got a bit mixed, mixed kind of reception. This year? This year. This has been going on for about so this is not even going into the cinema at all. No, it's a limit. It's had a limited cinematic release. I think. Why in, with that? With that? I know. I know. With but that cost? Because it's a Netflix movie. The limited uh, theatrical window allows it. To this is where I think Netflix is gonna. It, it's gonna struggle a bit. Well, we shall see. Because one of the other uh, pickings we have for, for that day is Paul Rudd's latest, in which Paul Rudd finds himself, and there just seems to be something in the water this week, cloned. I woke up in a spa, went to work, and came home. I woke up in a grave, and then I walked for six hours to find whatever the f*** you are. Now, there's two me's. But there's one life. So, what do you suggest we do? Maybe he has a brain tumor. Inoperable, I hope. He's better than me in everything. With work, with Kate. Are you seriously jealous of you? I mean, two Paul Rudds could be worse. Why did my Google alerts not go off for my <laughs> my specific I love Paul Rudd? Your, your specific hashtag 90s gal. <laughs> yeah, I tag. mean, if anything, I should have got double alerts if it's double trouble. <laughs> Looks really funny. Does look quite funny. Uh, Ashlyn B plays his, uh, his on-screen partner. Um, I'm really looking forward is this, to it. Is this direct to, to, to Netflix? To Netflix. Yeah, yeah, same again. So this is why I think you have mm. to really have your finger on the pulse with this. Like, I yeah. am totally focused on what is coming out in the cinema. And I know that, unfortunately, to some extent, that's a bit of a dying art, isn't it? Because Did you know the new Michael Bay movie is straight to Netflix? No! That's what is December. Going on? That stars I love Netflix, Ryan though. Reynolds as well. So it's like Ryan Reynolds in a Michael Bay movie, and it's the typical Michael Bay scale, and it's all for, uh, for Netflix. If you're not going to look, Netflix, if you're not going to invest in a poster on the tube or the buses to promote your movies, 
on the small screen. I ain't seeing them. You wouldn't know, <laughs> is it? Just, if you can't drop three big movies on the same day, expect no. everyone to record them. So let's get to the third one then, which is a bit more generic. So this is called Wounds. Yeah. Which sounds a bit more generic. I doubt it will be though, because it's from the director of Under the Shadow, Babak Navari. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say what we do in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be Taika, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, so this is uh, Babak Navari directing. This stars Army Hammer, Dakota Johnson, Zazie Beats. Army Hammer is a bartender who um, has a, 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 a violent brawl break out in his bar. He finds a phone left behind, uh, belonging to like a, a teen witness, a college kind of age witness or something like that. Takes it home, just kind of keeps it in his pocket, forgets, and then the phone starts going off and making threats, and his life starts to unravel. So this is like phone box? <laughs> kind of, but a little bit more texty. Uh, text box. Phone box. Phone box for the modern age people. <laughs> no longer are you in a phone box in the middle of Times Square. A or bit more Snapchatty. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am baffled that the 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 portfolio of actors in all three of these movies that are streaming is quite incredible. And if you blink, you'll miss it in a way, oh, which absolutely. I think is a shame. So the marketing needs to be upped a little bit more to get us, as we would do, to go to the cinema. We need to see the investment in on buses, on on like all of our kind of banner ads online, all that kind of stuff to drive you to go and watch these movies or they will get lost in everything else that Netflix has <sighs> to offer. However, just oh, as a counterpoint, okay. I was driving yesterday. Uh, I, I was having dri- a rant. I was dri- <laughs> driving the motorway yesterday into a, a podcast interview with Seth Green. And because I'm because I'm 90s through and through. I'm oh so, my I'm, goodness! Yeah. I used to love Seth Green. Love Seth Green, and he he made the observation that the reason he was making films for streaming, he made a film that he thought would, would be better for a streaming platform, etc. Which sounds awesome, by the way. Yeah. Uh, was because cinema now is geared towards people who want to be part of larger, more immediate uh, cultural conversation. So something like the, the like Endgame, whereas something like Netflix has its finger on the pulse by being a week later you are discussing it. And, and they're very different things. I thought that was kind of an interesting point that to That is an interesting point, but let me just remind you from the beginning of the show that Ang Lee thinks that 120 frames per <laughs> second <laughs> is a really good progression when oh. it comes to movie technology. Oh, you're so cutting this week, <laughs> so cutting. Well, when there's not a good solid week of films <laughs> you get in antsy. the cinema, I get antsy, especially after a five-star week. <laughs> right, you, you sound like the subject of one of our films for next week, then. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Maleficent, Maleficent is back. <laughs> God bless the scorned woman. She is back. So, Mistress of Evil, otherwise known as Maleficent 2, uh, in which Michelle Pfeiffer joins the roster this time. Love Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, that's next week. We've also got uh, Miss Kira back again. Great. Think she'll get uh, another nom for this one? No, hope official not. Secrets. Um, official secrets. <laughs> I'm so not a Kira fan. Are you I, not? No, I just don't think by pouting and looking like a model, you can really act. You, if you're going to be a model, and I know she wasn't really, but she looks like a model it's got to be Charlize Theron elements of that fair fair okay and, and on to our final one for next week which I've been looking forward to with great aplomb uh, for I am for whom the bell tolls it is Zombieland Double Tap Zombieland 2 whatever you want to call it I'm going with Zombieland Double Tap and I can't wait this is one of my most anticipated sequels of the year well I do love Woody Harrelson and Emma Stone oh yes and even Jesse Eisenberg a lot of fun in this big names yes. joining the cast like Luke Wilson uh, Thomas Middleditch uh, uh, Rosario Dawson uh, did you just laugh at Thomas Middleditch? Yes. Thought you were going to say something else then. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So we got all those to come next week. We're going to have some fun. We'll yeah. rock it out.
out. Yeah, I'll be less grumpy because the films will hopefully be better. <laughs> You'll get some fun out of Maleficent, I'm sure. So uh, that's that's kind of it for us this week. Though. That is indeed. But you know what? Stick to watching films on telly or go to the cinema to watch Joker and Judy. They're still out and they are brilliant. And in the meanwhile, we'll be back to give you a whole new crop to pick from next week.